I'm now joined by David Auerbach, Managing Director at Armada ETF Advisors, who back in March, they launched the Home Appreciation U.S. REIT ETF, ticker symbol HOUSE, H-A-U-S. Very nice work on that ticker symbol. And this is the first active pure play U.S. residential real estate ETF. And I'll tell you now, David is someone who knows the real estate market inside and out. I think you'll hear that uh, pretty quickly. And he's now on the line with me from Dallas. David, great finally having you on the podcast. Nate, I'm so honored to be here. Thank you so much. And with an introduction like that, boy, I... I uh... The the, uh, the check is in the mail, my friend. Thank you for those <laughs> kind words. I appreciate it. Well, hey, let's start with the ETF itself, and then I definitely want to uh, broaden out and discuss the residential real estate market and everything going on there. But uh, first, to begin, walk us through the ETF. What does this hold? What's the investment goal? Any Anything else you think is noteworthy? Sure. Uh, so as you mentioned, it is the first active pure play residential REIT ETF on the market. When I mention that, that means that there is no home builders, Home Depot lows, uh, mortgage REITs, mortgage financing. This is pure play residential. The idea of the fund was built off of the fact that everybody has a story regarding the housing market across the country right now. It doesn't matter if you're located in Raleigh, Jacksonville, Atlanta, Tampa, Denver, Try to buy a house right now. Try and sell a house right now. Everybody has a story. With so many people trying to buy homes across the country, that means that many people are being shut out of the housing market. And so we built this fund based off of two principles. Number one, where are people moving across the country? And I'm in Texas, and it's a great example of a ton of companies relocating to Texas. But then based on all that demand of where people are relocating, which of the residential REIT sectors are benefiting from that relocation. And so our portfolio consists of apartment REITs, single-family rental REITs, manufactured housing REITs, and then the senior housing REITs, the retirement homes, the nursing homes, those types of properties. David, I know earlier this year uh, there was a launch of the Kelly Residential and Apartment Real Estate ETF, ticker RESI, R-E-S-I, and I actually covered this on the, the podcast at this time. But, you know, as I think about investors and advisors out there uh, conducting due diligence and looking at the various alternatives in the market, that this may come up when they're, they're researching house. Do you want to offer a quick uh, compare and contrast here? Just any key similarities or, or differences? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Kelly ETFs, uh, their founder, Kevin Kelly, uh, Kevin was uh, ahead of the time. You know, he created some of the first REIT sector thematic ETFs going back to 2018 uh, through Pacer Benchmark, uh, INDS, SRVR, RTL. Uh, so he launched RESI, R-E-S-I, uh, in February of this year. And RESI is a unique portfolio. It is a passive fund. Uh, it also, I would call it a North American residential REIT ETF as five of the 27 constituents uh, focus on Canada. And of the full 100%, just around 10% or so of it would represent Canadian housing names. One other difference would be is that he does not have any, uh, they don't have any senior housing in their portfolio. So they are single family rentals, uh, manufactured housing, and um, apartments as well. So as you go through that, I mean, clearly one thing that stands out to me is uh, house is active, resi's passive. And on that active management piece, I, I'd love to have you give us a flavor for some of the factors that go into selecting specific REITs. What, what, what yeah, does the active piece look like? 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and as I mentioned, so the first part of it's based off of the where are people relocating across the country and then which of those uh, companies are benefiting from that relocation. Uh, we're taking this uh, understanding of it's very important to know what's under the hood of your ETF. I think one thing that separates us with so many ETF, if not all the ETF issuers that are out there, is I have built a full REIT experience management team to run this ETF. Uh, my portfolio manager was an uh, institutional buy-side portfolio for 30-plus 30, uh, 30 years, managing billions of dollars in the REIT industry. As part of that, I formed what I called the REIT Advisory Board. The REIT Advisory Board consists of industry leaders and legends uh, that sat in various chairs, and I'll break it down a little bit more, but these uh, very well-respected leaders know these companies, know this industry backwards, forwards, inside and out. Uh, my advisory board consists of, I mentioned my portfolio manager. His boss was the founder of this uh, institutional investment firm. In addition, I have a very well-respected retired REIT sell-side analyst, as well as a uh, retired REIT CEO. And I was a trader for 20-plus years in the REIT industry. So we're taking this, I call this triangle slash, if you throw me in, square approach that you could be the smartest real estate investor, or you could be what I call grandma and grandpa who live in the villages that may not know what's happening in the nationwide housing market. But our team, who all we've spent for the past 150, 200 years, deep, deep, deep in the REIT industry, we know these companies backwards, forwards, inside and out, and are able to leverage all this experience and wisdom on behalf of all investors. David, the other aspect that I think of when investors and advisors are conducting due diligence in this space is obviously some of the broader REIT ETFs on the market pop up, right? Something like the Vanguard Real Estate ETF, ticker V&Q, or the iShares U.S. Real Estate ETF, ticker IYR. My my question is, is House intended to complement these types of ETFs uh, for for investors who want REIT exposure, or is it uh, uh, viewed as a replacement? Nate, that's a fantastic question, and I have to say VNQ and IYR are the two bellwethers of the REIT industry. Fantastic portfolios. You're getting exposure to every REIT sector that's out there, uh, offices, uh, cell towers, data centers, industrial, self-storage, student housing, uh, so many different sectors, I believe like 17 different sectors that play into those two ETFs. We view House as a good complement to VNQ and IYR. And here's the, the logic is VNQ and IYR are passive. They rebalance, I believe, on a uh, quarterly or semi-annual uh, basis. If you use COVID as the example, think about the stuff that did well during COVID. Work from home, data centers, towers, industrial REITs. Think about what didn't do so well. Offices, hotels, malls. You know, in a passive fund, when they do that rebalance through COVID, you're still sitting on offices, hotels, and malls. Whereas an active manager would have been overweight to stories that you're not seeing on CNBC and Bloomberg, that are not talking about the double-digit rental revenue growth that the residential REITs are showing, or the amount of demand, the 98, 99% occupancy that some of these guys are showing across the country. Um, And so we view that this would be a very good complement or a bolt-on to a VNQ slash IYR holding. David, you brought up some interesting points there, and I, I guess this is a good spot to talk about the, the current residential market. And look, I know on the single-family housing side, uh, the, the overarching narrative has been 
to, to what you were hitting. I mean, there's extremely strong demand. I feel like especially from millennials who are now forming households in much bigger numbers. And then there's been this uh, structural lack of supply, right? There's simply not enough houses uh, to, to go around. And, and this impacts both single family homes, but also uh, rental properties. And I, I'm just curious, are both of those factors still in place? And do you believe they'll continue being factors moving forward? Absolutely. And we could spend a whole hour just on this one topic alone. There's so many things to break down here. Um, let's take it from the millennials perspective. Uh, the starter home, I don't know if you had a starter home back in the day when you, you know, I did. started your family. <laughs> you know, that term doesn't exist anymore. Um, because of investor demand or the open door uh, effect or the Chip and Joanna Gaines effect of, you know, properties being renovated and flipped, you know, that has uh, played into the demand for the housing market. But in addition, you know, the average homeowner, the guy that's looking for that $200,000 home, can't afford the inventory that's coming online. You know, we just saw new home sales data come out today. The numbers were down once again, because with mortgage rates going up, it's that much harder now to get into that house. We know that rates are going to continue to rise, which means we know the cost of that mortgage is going to keep going up. And unless you come to the table, especially in places like Texas, you know, all cash above offer price ready to close today, it's just going to be getting that much harder for the person to buy a home. So I don't see this changing anytime soon. Yeah. And you mentioned mortgage rates. I mean, we've gone from about 3% on the 30-year mortgage in January to nearly 5.5% today. I mean, just an enormous move. Clearly, that makes a big difference in monthly house payments. Can you offer some additional color here just in terms of how big of a factor that can be? Yeah, it's it's definitely playing into it. There's no doubt. I mean, everybody, when you think about REITs, then the topic becomes, oh, well, we're in a rising inflation environment. Interest rates are going up. Do I want to be in hard assets? Do I want to be in REITs? And I, I recommend any listener, if you walk away from this, the one site I recommend you go check out is REIT.com, R-E-I-T.com. That's the homepage for the National Association of Real Estate Investment Trusts. They have a wealth of data. You will walk away a smarter investor. But a couple of takeaways from, from what Nayri has posited on this. Number one, in times of rising interest rates and inflation, REITs have tended to outperform. As far as residential REITs, if you look at the return as far as compared to inflation, the 12-month returns for residential REITs outpace inflation in 75% of the quarters from March of 94 to March of 22 and 80% of those quarters when, it's, when inflation was moderate or high. And they view in moderate to high, calling it 2.5% to 7% and higher. And then NOI, that's the net operating income. You know, the average NOI in quarters with moderate or high inflation was 4.3% compared to 2.8% when inflation was low, meaning these REITs do tend to outperform in these times of volatility. You know, models say 5 to 15% in REITs and real estate. And the re there's a reason why, because REITs are dividend income vehicles. It's a tax structure vehicle that passes off 90% of that income to shareholders in the form of dividends. And so it's a great portfolio hedge in times of volatility. Um, one last point, and we'll, we'll, you know, to get back on track, I always say that REITs are the tortoise and the tortoise in the hair of your portfolio. Slow and steady wins the race. REITs are boring, and boring is good. 
we see so, so many headlines about Tesla and Bitcoin and, you know, Kathy and, and ARC funds and everything. But yet you're not talking about the lease agreements that these companies have in place with their tenants or how in demand Starbucks and CVS and the grocery stores and the things that we do every single day, you can't go from point A to point B without interacting with the REIT. And that's why I always say slow and steady wins the race. David, we only have about two minutes left, but I, I, I want to ask you about another topic, because as I was thinking through our conversation today and the various uh, supply and demand factors in residential real estate, I kept coming back to this uh, narrative around larger asset managers buying up residential properties. And, you know, the thought here is that these these asset managers are, are driving up prices and rents and pricing out middle class families. Is that a, a real factor here at all, or do you think the media makes too much of that? No, it's definitely a factor. I mean, it seems like not a day goes by that you don't see a headline about some sovereign wealth fund, uh, a big Wall Street firm, an investment manager, somebody getting involved in the single-family rental space. Look, we know that we are four to five million homes uh, in uh, lack of supply here to satisfy the amount of demand that's out there across the country. And so this is a way for um, companies to play into that demand. If we know what the average millennial uh, homeowner is looking for, you know, there's places across this country that people never get the chance to own the home. But this could be the way to where you're able to rent to own or uh, build to rent, let's say. This is a way to play into that demand. So, you know, obviously... There's some smart minds out there. Warren Buffett, Berkshire Hathaway, um, Jamie Dimon, Bank of America, Brian Callahan of uh, Bank of America, is, you know, a couple of examples. These are all f- firms that are getting involved in that space because they see where their um, consumers are going, their customers are going. And look, at the end of the day, real estate is personal. We all have something in common that we're all lucky to go to sleep with a roof over our heads. We may not care about Tesla, Bitcoin, or all these things that are out there, but we do care about where we go to sleep at night. And house is a way that leverages in where you go to sleep, where you're going to go to sleep tonight. Well, David, perfect ending point. I've got to tell you, I love your passion around this topic. We're certainly going to have to do this uh, again, but so great to finally have you on the podcast. Congratulations on the launch of house. Thank you for joining me this week. Hey, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. That was David Auerbach, Managing Director at Armada ETF Advisors.